You're listening to the Finding Unique Value Podcast with Jay Sparks. Hello, this is Jay Sparks, your host of Finding Unique Value, where I interview business leaders that have found unique value in their business or industry that others have not yet seen or explored. And I'm excited today to be joined by Ryan Amin, who's the owner of Jury Hotels and 60 Hospitality. And the hospitality space is incredibly competitive. And I'm really interested to learn from someone who's been successful at finding a way to provide value in such a uh, crowded and competitive space. So welcome to the podcast, Ryan. It's great to, great to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, could you, um, just as by means of introduction, just give us a little bit about your, um, about your background? And I have uh, lots of questions about how you've been able to uh, structure and, and organize what you're, uh, what you're working on now. Of course, Jay. So I'm um, Ryan Amin, as you mentioned, and we own and operate 34 hotels uh, within New England. So predominantly, we are in four states, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Connecticut. I got into the hospitality industry at a very early age. My parents actually purchased a 15-unit cottage-type motel located in central Massachusetts when I was uh, about the age of 15. And during that time, so through the experience of you know being a family experience, I learned a lot. Uh, again, at a very early age, I'm always hanging out with my, my dad when he was doing maintenance projects and seeing how my parents really uh, exemplified you know work ethic. Um, they were constantly working around the clock to sustain that business, build that business, and make it a successful uh, business. I always have had a passion for technology, so I actually decided to go to college for technology. I went to Worcester Polytechnic Institute and majored in management information systems. And it was really during my time in college that I realized that, you know, my core screen business, that, you know, one day I wanted to do something around business. And having that hospitality background really pushed me into, hey, I really want to do something on my own, start something on my own, and also gave me the uh, validity from having experience with my parents that saving enough money was very important. So during college, I had internships, and I lived at home for a couple of years, and my whole end goal was to save money, live at home, and have enough capital to purchase an asset. I even started my own surveillance camera system business uh, during college to earn extra income. It was after college that I worked at a large IT company for a couple of years in which then I finally saved enough capital to purchase my first hotel uh, in a resort type area, Wells of Gunkwood, Maine. And really that was my first entrance into the hotel business. Wow. That is, uh, that is incredible. Um, the fact that um, um, you grew up in a family business and wanted to do the family business is, is very unusual. Right, because a lot of times, you know, the children uh, respect what their parents do, but they don't want to, you know, continue in in that. And you also had the technology focus, which I thought would take you further away. Why did you find yourself going back to hospitality? That that, that doesn't that doesn't look like a, a normal marriage, right, between those those two things. I definitely agree with your saying, and uh, I will. I would love to talk more about sort of the family dynamics because <laughs> I think at this point. I appreciate so much being able to work with my parents who've showed mm -hmm. me so much and supported me, uh, not only through personal, of course, my mm -hmm. life, but through the business experience. And, and I do think that going through that experience with my family has taught me a lot on how to manage uh, people as well as manage mm -hmm. hotels and work with different personalities. I think, you know, I, I think somewhere in college, and, and I, I really don't know what the trigger point was, but, mm -hmm. you know, I've always been a business-oriented person. And I've always had a passion for technology. So I think my core has always been business, and that's probably because of my upbringing. 
you know, uh-huh. how to, you know, create something and make monetary value. And my passion of technology has always been, how do I apply technology to maximize the business side? And that's what I do a lot uh, within the company now. And I look for solutions. I'm very solutions oriented to try to see, you know, especially in our, tra- in our hotel industry, there's so many trends that are changing that we're constantly mm-hmm. looking for how to, you know, either operation, uh, be a little bit more efficient operationally, maximize revenues. And a lot of that times has to do with technology. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that, that is, um, that is incredible. That, that makes a little more, that makes a little more sense now. Um, so, there's so many disconnects here that, that you um, um, were able to um, find a, find a path because the other unusual thing besides um, not only learning and respecting um, how to work hard from your parents, uh, which is not obviously always the case, you also learn how to manage people, which, which I'd like to talk about in a, in a second. But the, the other crazy uh, jump that you made is I don't know too many college students that graduate and buy a hotel of all things. Um, how did that? Um, how did that come to be? And how did you um, think that you could do that? Right? Because it doesn't sound like, or maybe you had a, a template in mind, but you know most people don't do it just because they don't even know where to start. Right? So I don't know if you learned that or if you got that from your parents or your family, but that, I, I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely a conscious decision. So after graduation, you know, taking a job that was close by where I grew up, you know, allowed me to continue saving um, some income while I was living at home. And once I had, once I thought I had enough, you know, I brought this up to my parents. I said, "Look, I've saved up this money. I think it's time to, you know, start and continue the family business that I grew up in and that I loved." And they supported me 100 percent. And that was huge for me to then start the process of, you know, looking at different buildings, looking at different hotels. And to be honest, I've actually never even visited the first hotel location except the first time when we were valuing the hotel. And I never knew anything about the area, never knew what it was about. Um, And then when we were going through that process, it was really when I learned in my career that there are a lot of people out here that are willing to help. And that mm-hmm. if you just ask and go out of your way, they will give you a lot of information and help you along the way. So it was undoubtedly very scary. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I didn't know a, about a lot, but I always felt that people uh, in this world was always very helpful and optimistic. And I really always made sure I surrounded myself with those uh, key individuals or those people um, on a day-to-day basis. No, that's a that's really a, a tremendous point because most entrepreneurs, right? It's you, you feel like it's you against the world, right? So, so how did you um, overcome that fear of 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 asking for help or, or looking foolish? Because obviously your family was able to help you to some degree, but you know they don't certainly did, probably didn't know everything. How did you find or how did you know what other types of advice that you would uh, that you would need? And how did you find those people that were able to help? Yeah, I think, um, I think honestly, uh, without choice, and I, I think once I targeted that goal of just, you know what, I want to buy this business, and I want to mm-hmm. make it great, and I want to really turn it around, I had the end goal in mind, and I knew there was going to be challenges. So I think awareness was very important to know yeah. that I'm not going to know everything, and I'm going to need to ask for help. And mm-hmm. that did include a lot of times rejection, right? And it included yeah. a lot of times not learning and understanding, but I always felt very comfortable that work ethic uh, would overcome any of these challenges. So I always made it a point to myself that I was going to work harder or try to work harder than most people. And mm-hmm. by that, I was going to either learn how to do things that I didn't know 
or be okay with rejection and you know humiliation of someone saying no. Sure, sure. Now, did you learn the was the work ethic which you you know learned from your uh, from your parents that was really ingrained at, at that point, or is that something that you had to focus on um, uh, for for a different reason? Yeah, the, the, you know, and the more I think about it at this point, and then I sort of think about my childhood, that was ingrained uh, from an mm-hmm. early childhood. I mean, my mom had a full-time job throughout the years, commuting an hour and 30 minutes each way. Mm-hmm. My dad was constantly working around the house, and when we had a family business, always doing something, always trying to improve something. He was never sitting around. And yeah. those two individuals just growing up just really showed me that if you want to get somewhere or, you know, live the American dream, mm-hmm. That's what work ethic will will get to you. And my parents are great examples of coming to America as first generation and living that American dream. Uh, they came from nothing when they were about age 25. And, you know, now they own several businesses and they have a life and career and they brought other family members to America to uh, enhance their lives and, you know, sort of follow the same footsteps. Wow. No, that's uh that's incredible. And now it seems like, you know, in, in talking to you before we started this this interview, it seems like you've... Now, did you did you learn all of that? But you're you're teaching all of that too to the people that um, you now serve and now uh, work for you, which is which is really amazing. That's that's also another thing that's very unusual about you, Ryan. Um, could you talk a little bit about about the you know what you learned about management um, before you actually owned a hotel from your from your parents? Because I think a lot of us have opportunities, but not everyone is is listening, and you obviously were. And then, um, and then, and then, um, you know, kind of what you learned um, when you had your first, uh, your first staff, and if there was a big, big change, I'd be interested in hearing your your thoughts on that. Yeah, before, so before I really owned my first hotel, and I had people um, that were, you know, effectively reporting to me, mm-hmm. I thought about all of the managers in my life and mm-hmm. what I really enjoyed and loved about them, and some of the common characteristics were they were great listeners. They truly had positive intent for me, and they were available whenever I needed to go to and chat with them. So throughout my internships, throughout uh, I talked about family. You know, I uh, think I'm, I'm. You know, I want to mention my brother as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then my first couple jobs uh, out of you know, college, my first job out of college. Literally, I was lucky and fortunate enough to have awesome managers who were just very supportive. So mm-hmm. supportive. So when I uh, had my first team, you know, I really wanted to replicate some of those characteristics and I really wanted to, you know, uh, rep- uh, duplicate what they were able to do for me because I knew how important that was to have those characteristics as a leader. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's incredible because, um, a lot of people have similar, um, experiences that, that you do and, but they don't, um, they don't internalize these lessons from your brother, from your parents, and the other things, but uh, it sounds like you did, and now you're able to, you know, through your employees, because you know, I'm, I'm sure that not all of your employees had the same um, upbringing you did, right? So, how do you help instill some of these things that you learned growing up that maybe some people that are working for you now did not have, but you know, want to? So, for instance, they admire you, and they look up to you. Um, and um, and they understand that there's some sort of gap, but don't really know how to get there. What things do you have in place now to, to maybe help them with that? As to, as long as they're you know they're they're working with you. Yeah, I, I think you know all of us at the company, uh, especially the um, executive team and top leaders within the company, really focus on having that open door policy. 
And I think that's a common term that we, we talk about and that's in you know several businesses to talk about, but we really uh, continue engaging with all employees at different levels. I think it's very important to understand their stories, understand their challenges, but then also have open forums to talk about that. So mm-hmm. we will engage in any conversation in which anyone wants to talk about or you know just have a chat about something. I think it's very important to continue to listen to what's going out there in different levels, different communities, so you could make better judgments um, on how you can, you know, help or come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we within the company are are very fond of our core values, and for me as a leader now, I typically go back to these core values that we represent to evaluate certain members, right? So some of our core values are we're a family doing right the right thing, embracing change. So a lot of our conversations with people are not talking about sort of the operational items that, you know, day-to-day business, hospitality stuff, but it's really turning individuals into leaders and focusing on these topic areas. And it's, and what I've learned now, it's just constant engagement. It's constant sharing stories. And then it's also being, uh, showing humility. I think it's very important to be transparent and showing humility and sharing those stories that people can relate and say, oh, well, this actually is not just happening to me. It's happening to other people. And there are solutions or ways to resolve these uh, things that someone might be challenges that someone might be facing. Wow, that is um, that is really incredible. I, I see now why um, you're you're so successful because a lot of um, men and women in your position are doing the exact opposite, right? They're looking at the operational administrative tasks and they're um, using the carrot or the stick to make sure that gets done. And, and they kind of leave it at that, right? Whereas uh, um, a company like um, uh, like you know Ritz Carlton, right? Their their motto, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, kind of uh, sets an expectation for you know the people that work there and also for the people that stay there, right? Just by yeah. uttering those those words, it's, it's really amazing. So your one of your core values, you know, even something as simple as do the right thing, as long as it's reinforced and coached and you talk about it in terms of stories, um, you don't have to tell people, here's the 10 things you need to do when there's a problem. You just need to tell them, do the right thing. Right. And, and they'll, and they'll figure it out. And if they have a problem, then they'll come to you with, you know, uh, probably a question that you want to, you want to have versus, you know, what do I do? Right. That's, that's not really what the, what you want to be there for. So that, that, that's, uh, that's, that, that's really amazing. Now, are you able to set aside time for, you know, coaching and follow-up, because that, that's one thing I see that is very challenging for someone in your position, because you have lots of responsibilities and lots of, you know, things you need to do every given day. Yeah, I think some, I think every, um, I think depending on the time period and the workload, I think we all have uh, different ways of setting that time. For me, mm-hmm. I found that a lot of the times I'm on the road, actually, and I, I'm driving mm-hmm. to locations, and that is usually my time to just to really recap all the stories, all the challenges, and all the conversations mm-hmm. I've had to say, hey, do I need to follow up on that? Or, hey, did someone just terminate someone that they probably just need a phone call to just check in? And I mm-hmm. think those are the, the things that leaders should all be doing. And, you know, I will, um, I love being surrounded by, again, by my partners who, you know, mm-hmm. are constantly thinking of uh, the people within the company. And so that is my method right now. A lot of times on my drives is usually I try to focus on just, you know, some of these conversations I've had and how people are doing and, you know, if there are any follow-ups required over there. Mm -hmm. No, that's incredible because I know one of the, um, you know, there's, there's um, two key drivers for, for satisfaction, right. In, in, in the business world. 
I've been written around about a lot, and one of them is that um, you know, do I matter? Not that do you have someone at the front desk, but is 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 that person at the front desk, you know, there because no one else can do exactly what they do, right? Because everyone's a little bit different. It sounds like you found a way to show people um, that they matter, um, which is really uh, really incredible because I think that that's yeah. missing in a lot of places. And Jay, you know, I think um, one of, I want to highlight here is as a company, we really focus on recognition. I think, you know, that's what you're alluding to, whether recognition through monetary value, which is, you know, totally acceptable. If that's what, yeah. what you, you want is recognition, we, we need to know that as leaders that that's what that's what uh, some individuals want or recognition by just a thank you. So mm-hmm. we've developed a couple of programs uh, in the past past year to kind of focus on that. One of the things that, and it may sound small, but I'm, I'm very proud of as a company, what we've done is we've created an internal social media Facebook group with all of our internal employees. And really it's just a channel for everyone to, within the community of the company, to just post things of that's going on, whether they're having an employee mm-hmm. appreciation party or they want to share ideas or yeah. talk about, you know, new things that their hotel has gotten. And I think that's just very important uh, to have at a company and then give them a channel to express something that they want. Sure, sure. Yeah, again, uh, uh, um, that's necessary for a top-performing organization, but that's why there aren't a lot of top-performing organizations in your in your industry, right? Because it's, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people. If you're not, if you don't feel that you matter, you know, why would you want to go on a Facebook page and post something, right? You're just not gonna. It's really not gonna be a, a you know, a way you want to want to spend your time. Um, it's also interesting too, because if you're doing if you're doing the the recognition, which is you know, a lot of work. Um, everyone knows where they stand, right? And that's the other thing that's really important for satisfaction. You got to know where you stand in some of these jobs, right? It's hard to know because um, yeah, there is no necessarily a standard of excellence. You need consistency and you need attitude and those, you know, it's hard to put a number on that day to day, right? It's not like making how many widgets did you make today, right? And some, and like a manufacturing um, yeah. Firm. So, are you able to to show that in other ways too, besides the the recognition, or is that the in the in the Facebook page? Yeah. So we show uh, we show recognition, um, and, and I talked a little bit about monetary. So we rolled out a couple of monetary values mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, if you hit certain targets and goals, you know, here's you can earn extra uh, income. We also show recognition by actually giving out individual development plans. So any of our good performers. Uh, the owners will actually get together and create an individual development plan and sign off on it to say, hey, we've identified you as a leader within the company who's growing. Here are the things you need to complete to get to the next level. Uh, we're very passionate about that. And, of course, all of our regional leaders are you know, really pushing those things, uh, pushing those things through. That is fantastic. I've, I've never heard about that in your industry. Is, is that something that – how did you come up with that? Is that something that you um, – Learn from someone else, or just an idea that you and your partners had, or that that that's really uh, that's really brilliant. Yeah, it was just an idea uh, that the partners had. And you, you oftentimes, I think, as the business was growing uh, so rapidly, you know, you realize that you're already doing these things. They might not just be standardized, or they might just not yep. be official, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of grouping that together and saying, "Hey, we're actually already doing this. Let's just make it a standard now, and then educate, you know, the rest of the uh, the group that this is something mm-hmm. that's available." Yeah, no, that's great. Well, and, and it's and it's important too because you know all, all the people that work for you they have different focuses. They're they're structured differently, right? And internally, their personality. So it's hard to you can't have just one solution because someone's going to fall through the crack. So for instance, I'm sure you have people that are very um, um, you know they want more responsibility. So you know the title and what they do is really important. You have other people that just want to know that they're doing a a great job. Um, 
which is, you know, the, what you just described is really important. And then you have people that just want to come to work and just be really happy and really have a great working relationship with everybody they're working with. Right. And you have to treat those yeah. kind of groups a, a little bit differently. And, and we all have parts of that, but, um, um, some people certainly are you know, have one more than the other. And it sounds like um, regardless of where your employees fall, you have a way to kind of help them scratch that itch, if you will, right? And, and uh, you know, so you can keep them there. Because I, I have to think that based on what you've just described, that your turnover rate must be, must be much, much lower than, than your competitors. Are you able to track that? So at the time, we don't have an official yeah. tracking number. Uh, at the at the leadership level, you're right. It, the turnover is very low, and that's because many of our leaders have grown within the company, and either they've oh. come from you know mm -hmm. line level staff, and uh, either they've started at the front desk or a housekeeper, and now they are possibly a GM or even a regional yeah. manager. So I think what you're alluding to is that's something that we're really taking a, a big aim at and saying, hey, we we have candidates within our company, we got to keep growing them. Mm -hmm. No, that's fantastic. And also, too, I, I think a lot of just your, your attitude, I, I assume your partners have, you know, are, are like minded. Um, it sounds like you're also covering the two re the two biggest reasons for dissatisfaction, which is not the opposite of satisfaction, which is kind of unusual. But uh, yeah, I think the, you know, the biggest reasons for dissatisfaction in, in an organization like yours is red tape, right? Bureaucratic kind of nonsense that we all hate um, and um, a poor relationship with your manager. Right. So it sounds like you have these things in place. There isn't a lot of bureaucratic mess because you're not telling people to do 16 things at once and fill out paperwork. And it sounds like you're promoting people who want to be promoted and are demonstrating they deserve to be promoted. Right. So everyone's yeah. happy, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. No, you, you, it's funny you're saying that because just this week we were working on another program that we wanted to launch. And it's just what you said that once that red tape conversation comes, we know it's going to lose momentum and going to lose the point. So we really challenge that bureaucratic red tape. And we're saying, no, if it doesn't make sense, like yeah. business wise and human wise, if you will, yeah. then we, you know, we're not going to overcomplicate things. So we, we really focus on challenging the status quo as a company and saying, well, Hey, why do we need X, Y, and Z? And if there's not an answer, we're going to eliminate that. Yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's, that's fantastic. That's the thing that we, that, that's the challenge in government, right? Because when you have too many rules, then people stop thinking, right? So, the, so how do you get just enough you know, of, a, of, a, of direction that people can make the right decisions. It sounds like you found a really good, a really good balance with your, with your values coupled with, you know, the, the day-to-day -day management, which is just incredibly hard to do, which makes you and your partners very, very valuable. So that's, uh, it's great to, great to see the good guys win, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is really fascinating. We should do a, uh, a Harvard uh, business review study on, on this. Cause I, I think you've done a lot of things that are really, um, textbook without having to follow a, um, a cookie cutter formula, right? You need to try things and, 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 and then see what works because, you know, what works for, for instance, Ritz Carlton isn't necessarily going to work for your organization, but you can certainly, if you understand the theory, you can maybe apply certain things, which sounds like you did uh, did already anyway. Um, so switching topics just a little bit, what are the, what are the major challenges for you day-to-day? Uh, -day? Is, is it trying to get um, the right, um, the right, people to work. So I know that um, um, like in the construction industry, that that's a huge issue. I know in the hospitality industry, it's a huge issue. I see, you know, hotels uh, faced with strikes because of, uh, you know, wages and you have the whole, um, uh, you know, foreign domestic type of uh, uh, type of issues that, uh, that, that, that crop up. Um, uh, again, I don't want to 
answer for you, but just what, what are the type of things that you, uh, you, you have to think about day to day? Yeah, so from an operational perspective, I think uh, for those who may not know the hotel uh, industry as well, uh, you typically, the busy time people generalize as May to October. So if you kind of take an occupancy percentage-wise, you're really going from like 40% in the winter to all the way up to 85, 90 plus in the summer. So there's a surge in big need for uh, employment during those months of May to October. What we're facing in the hospitality industry is a shortage of labor, specifically mm-hmm. in you know housekeeping is probably the general department, housekeeping, laundry, uh, breakfast, those departments. And one of the things that we've been exploring are different programs, whether it's uh, getting foreign uh, labor via the HUB program, hiring mm-hmm. uh, students abroad from J1 programs, uh, oh. as well as trying to develop internal programs for domestic workers as well, right? So I think our approach has always been try every single channel and may the best channel win, right? Let the best channel win, whatever it is. So we've focused on all three and, you know, um, I I don't want to go too into detail on some of the incentives that we've launched or we've tried, but that's really a challenge to get those surge of employment during the summer. I think there's a lot of conversation in uh, the politics, of course, with these programs and there's a lot of back and forth, left side, right side, on where they should be. So just getting involved in sort of advocating for those challenges as a company, we're hoping that it would, uh, it's going to make some better policy changes in the future. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we definitely need to, to find some better solutions, right? The old solutions just don't don't work anymore. Um, well, yeah, well, I'd love to hear some more if you if you find one of those uh, one of those channels uh, uh, working well, because I, I think that you'd have a lot of support in trying to um, get um, our government to to um, put more focus on that. We just need to figure out what uh, what the best combination is. Because I know you're not the only one struggling with that uh, that particular issue. Um, yeah, I agree, Jay. I, I think it's really just more business owners participating in these conversations. I think sometimes, you know, what we see is a lot of the policy makers are probably not as well educated and well versed in what's going on actually at the business. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's very important that business leaders are you know, advocating and communicating and sharing their stories. I think it goes back to earlier when we were talking about on how we have a, a open culture on just, you know, sharing good stories, being a little bit more open and challenging some of those conversations. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Ryan, I know you, you've talked about um, your brother and your parents being very important mentors, and that's a really important part. I don't know any successful person that doesn't have many mentors. And it sounds like you're a sponge. Uh, what are some other people, you know, whether it's your personal or professional life that, that, that you have been really helpful for you? Yeah, there's so many, Jay. I think uh, I never know where to, where to start. I could talk <laughs> for another two hours on this, but uh, probably the couple of people that we haven't got a chance to talk to is, you know, personally, my wife, uh, she is uh, very ambitious. She, I often call her a power woman, and yeah. I'm just so appreciative, you know, especially a woman who's going through some of the industry. And of course, we know the challenges that women face, and I just seen her grow. Uh, also, personally, from her perspective, just she's given me, shown me a different light. We met six years ago and just really have focused on my patience and my being more empathetic with individuals, as well as being supported there for any of these challenges. Business is a challenging industry, and mm-hmm. a lot of times I come home and I do need to vent, and she's always yeah. been there. Uh, the other two people I just want to mention is Ashish Sangani, who is, you know, the founder of Geary Hotels. Uh, he exemplifies all of the core values that you would want a founder uh, and CEO to have. And it's just mm-hmm. truly a blessing to be side by side with them 
and go through all the business uh, ventures. And the other person is uh, the other partner within Geary is Sagar Malavia, who's, you know, again, very similar quality, very similar core values, and just are two individuals within the company who are just always there to do the right thing and really take the company to the next level. Well, that's uh, that's incredible. It's also a a great lesson, Ryan. Right? No, nobody gets there alone, right? And you have to be smart enough to uh, to ask and then to listen and uh, you know take take the uh, take the advice to heart. So I'm really glad that you were able to find these folks. I'm sure you will uh, find many more. And now um, uh, we get to take advantage of uh, what you've learned. So thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. I'm very very uh, impressed with everything that you've done, and I want to be respectful of your time. So. Um, I'll wrap this up in, in just a second, but I will say this is that I looking at where some of your properties are and I haven't thought of uh, those hotels, but I, I certainly will now that I know how they're how they're operated. So I'm sure I'm going to have a wonderful experience with my family at, at any of them. Um, and uh, hopefully other people that are listening to this feel the uh, feel the same way. Um, so what is what is the best um, the best way for anyone to get in touch with you, Ryan, if, if they uh, you want to know more about your about your business or um, um, or if they uh, have actually some thoughts on on that last point you raised about the policy, because I think that's something that that's going to have uh, some sort of national discussion uh, at uh, at some point. I don't I don't think it's quite there yet, but we certainly need someone to help help push it. Um, what's yeah. the best way to people get get in touch with you and, and just reach out if you, if you're open to that? I am. I am 100% open to that, Jay. I think um, the best way is email, or I'm also on LinkedIn. So if mm -hmm. they want to connect uh, within LinkedIn, I would love that opportunity to network with more individuals. Okay. No, that's great. Well, besides um, wanting to stay at one of your hotels, I certainly would love to meet your brother <laughs> and your parents because they sound like uh, incredible people if you're, uh, um, uh, if you're the result of, of uh, spending time around them. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time with me. This really was fascinating. I'm, I'm really excited for you and for uh, both of your um, – uh, the companies that you that you own and are running, I think anyone there is got a you know, really an incredible opportunity ahead of them with uh, with leaders like yourself. So um, glad to see that that working well. And uh, for everyone else, thank you for listening to Finding Unique Value, and we look forward to sharing our next guest with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. The Finding Unique Value podcast is sponsored by Elliott Asset Management. We help successful entrepreneurs create wealth outside of their business. To discover the five ways successful entrepreneurs become intelligent investors and grow wealth beyond their business, visit ElliotAm.com slash webinar.